Our scripture passage today is from John 13, verses 1 through 17. You can follow along in your uh, bulletin, or if you have your Bible, you can open those up or find it on your uh, phone. Now, before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already decided that Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, would betray Jesus. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from supper, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, you do, you do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, one who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason he said, not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had reclined again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for this is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, slaves are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who has sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church family, and welcome, friends. I'm Pastor Cheryl, and we are transitioning back this week to our Bless sermon series. After last week, we welcomed Pastor John Wenrick, um, our ECC president, who gave us this excellent sermon on hope in the midst of loss. And so if you missed it, you'll want to check it out, and it's accessible through our, our website. So what is BLESS? In case you're joining us for the first time, BLESS is a sermon series teaching and releasing us to ways that we can convey God's love for each other and affect good changes in the world. Each letter in the word BLESS stands for an action step. So B is begin with prayer. L is listen with care. E is eat together. And today we come to S, serve in Christ's love. So I have a couple of questions to ask you to keep in mind this morning. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to answer out loud. <laughs> but just think about these questions as we go through um, the sermon this morning. 
What is the difference between simply being kind to others and serving in Christ's love? So being kind and serving in Christ's love. And what is something new that I learned from today's passage? I feel like I had to come up with some uh, a little bit of these challenging questions ahead of time because you are all really good at being kind and serving um, already, and so I don't want you to tune out and let the stress that I impose upon myself for sermon prep week be all for nothing. <laughs> so those of you who know me, you know, it's gotten better over the years. So anyway, John 13, verses 1 through 17, it overflows with teachings. It's a pivotal moment, too, because Jesus is shifting from his public ministry of teaching and helping and listening and healing others to very focused time with his close circle, his 12 trusted disciples, who have really become his family. And knowing that the time is short, a day and a death sentence away from departing this world to return to his Father in heaven, this passage in the gospel highlights Jesus's heart that he shares with his disciples. We don't see the Eucharist in John, but that's okay because Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they give us those important words. Instead, we see Jesus tying up these loose ends, speaking from his heart, saying all he needs to say, offering a final teaching, a final word, a final gesture that encapsulates not only his love for his disciples, but Christ's love and mission for the world. That they, the disciples, would need to carry forth without Jesus being physically present. Jesus, their mentor and leader, also the ultimate servant of and for the world, who went willingly to the cross as atonement for sins of all humanity, not to be written out of the story, but to begin again in his resurrection and the promise of eternal life for all who believe and receive him as Lord and Savior. Master and servant are one in Christ. Leave it to Jesus to come up with a very symbolic illustration of serving all people, washing their feet. So I appreciate you indulging me a little in my realness, my rawness, as I take a step aside to talk a little bit about feet. Because you see, I am not a foot person. I'm a shoe person, but I'm not a foot person and there's a difference. Our feet, they're so important, right? They are a source of mobility and balance, being able to stand up and to wear shoes. And I really want to be sensitive um, to those who have a disability that require more assistance with mobility and with foot ailments um, to do what we all might take for granted at times. So in this context, um, yes, I'm talking about people who, um, yeah, they have their, their feet and they're mobile, okay. 
As I try to envision myself during biblical times, sandals, and dirt, and dust—they don't really complement each other, do they? Not only am I not a foot person, but I'm not a fan of dirty feet, <laughs> most especially my own. So going barefoot outdoors is no small feat for me. I will do it under extreme circumstances, like when we dance hula in the halal, and I have to take my shoes off, or when I just have to go from here back on tippy toe. I'll do it. And when others have dirty feet, it's all right because they're yours, not mine. <laughs> But because they are important for us to move from place to place, we need to take care of our feet, right? So, friends, I cannot resist. I can't resist. Okay, I have to have some humor in here. Okay, so there are too many great puns related to feet. So, can I just for a second? Okay.、Um, did you, did you know that feet need to be fed? Okay. So, anyone know their favorite foods? Okay, Doritos, Cheetos,、uh, and Mentos candy. But their favorite. Favorite, huh? What did you say? Legos. Legos.、Oh, that's good. Okay, I didn't have that one down. That's good. I think their favorite though is sushi, <laughs> especially futomaki. <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay, all right, sorry. I wanted to do special footnotes today too in our sermon notes, just because of what we were talking about, but、um, I resisted. And I just hope today's sermon will be good, soulful stuff and healing for us too. Okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Okay. Now we're gonna be serious. <laughs> okay. So seriously, seriously, I'm not sure how many of you have ever been part of a foot washing as a sacred act, whether it's giving it or whether it's receiving one. But it is deeply intimate. It is deeply moving, and it is a gift. It signifies love, and it signifies commitment to one another before God. But for most of us, it is an uncomfortable action. If you think about it, if you've been the receiver, these are some sentiments that people have shared with me about having their foot or their feet washed. Um, I don't want someone touching my feet. They're they're dirty. They stink. I didn't get a pedicure this month. It tickles. It's too much, and that's just not for me. Isn't that just something you do on Monday Thursday? Most of all, it's just uncomfortable. And some of these sentiments are also shared by those who have been reluctant to wash another's feet. It can feel vulnerable tending to and also having someone tend to your feet. Last year,、um, when my dad had a serious foot infection from his diabetes, he developed this wound and it opened up and he was hospitalized. And, and then when he came home, we had these really specific instructions for caring for、um, this wound. And my sister, she couldn't stomach it,、um, but I think. From spending years before that、um, caring for an uncle who also had repeated foot infections, including gangrene from his diabetes, 
guy, God prepared me to stomach the cleaning and the bandaging of wounds. And those of you who know that my relationship um, you know, from before, I've talked about my relationship with my dad, has been really painful at times. Um, but in this instance, I found myself willing to serve him in this way. And in the evening, um, every couple of days, I'd sit on the floor before him. I'd, I'd be sitting, and he'd be on a chair, and I'd open up the wound, and I'd clean it, and I'd dry it, and I'd bandage it back up. And he had to wear these compression-type bandages that, if some of you um, are familiar with them, they are a battle to get on. They're really tight. And so I'd actually have his foot pressed up against me as I struggled to get it to expand wide enough to go up over his leg. The whole experience was humbling for me, um, but I knew it was important to do. And it actually helped me to feel closer to him to be serving him in that way. And my dad, if you know him, he's never really wanted help from anyone. But this he could receive from me. I wanted to do it for him, even if I'm not a foot person. So what, what does that say about Jesus choosing to wash the feet of his disciples? Are we literally supposed to go out and wash people's feet? And if so, what are we communicating by doing so? How is this serving? Well, there's some good news for people uncomfortable with the sacred act of foot washing. Christ's example of washing his disciples' feet is metaphorically teaching us and showing us what serving in Christ looks like and embodies. So if you have your sermon notes um, in front of you, uh, we're ready to fill in the first part of how to bless others as Jesus did. Serve in Christ's love with a posture and purpose that is like Christ. Serve in Christ's love with a posture and a purpose that is like Christ. And can you add in parentheses like Christ at the end of that? Because that is something that kind of came um, after I had um, prepared the sermon notes. There are so many ways that Jesus could have shown that serving was part of God's mission. He already did in public, right? He healed people. He listened to them with care. He ate with them and fed them, to name just a few. So why the foot washing? Now, remember I said people's feet got really dirty back then from walking a lot in sandals. And it was customary when people would enter a house to dine that if there were servants, the servants would wash their guests' feet before dining. And the reason was because they didn't just sit at a table like you and I would with chairs and no one sees their feet, but instead the guests and the hosts would be around a table reclined on one arm and just kind of their feet would be, you know, kind of outstretched. So it's likely that someone's feet might be up close and at the same level with someone's face. People have wondered why the disciples or Jesus didn't do the foot washing before the meal, because they were already in the midst of the meal when Jesus does this. And why did Jesus have to do it? And there's some speculation there, too, that the disciples themselves felt 
washing one another's feet was beneath them. And we get this in Luke chapter 9 where the disciples are arguing over which one of them would be greatest and Jesus responds to them by telling them that the one who is least among them is the greatest. Words that held weight as Jesus himself literally assumed a posture lower in status than all of them. He was doing what slaves and servants were tasked to do in those times. In fact, this same act of servitude was done just days earlier to Jesus, for Jesus, by Mary of Bethany. As she bravely came to wash her Lord Jesus' feet with expensive perfume that likely cost all of her savings. And then she used her own hair to dry Jesus' feet. Such extravagance and devotion was unheard of. And it was unfathomable to the disciples witnessing it. Their ignorance and immaturity made them foolishly judge this woman of lowly stature approaching Jesus. And rather than be inspired by her generosity, lavishing expensive perfume to wash Jesus' feet, they looked at her like, oh, She's so strange. She's foolish. To Jesus, not only was Mary's action foretelling of his fate to come, a prelude, prelude to the anointing of his body that would soon be persecuted to death, but it served as an indicator to Jesus that there were important things the disciples still needed to learn in order to become true servants of Jesus. There's much more that Jesus told them in this time that they had together, and if you are curious and want to read more, then keep going um, in, the, in the chapters that follow. So with his own disciples, though, at this time, Jesus was really purposeful in leading and purposeful in assuming the role of servant doing exactly as a slave would have done, removing his outer garment, wrapping a towel around himself to wipe their feet, taking a bowl of water, and approaching his fellow brother, and one by one physically lowering himself to cleanse and wash their feet. The disciples could understand this example later. And this was a purposeful, dedicated time, though, right now that Jesus knew he had to impart. He had to impart the importance of servanthood and convey his promise to love them till the end. More than just words, but an act depicting Christ's love for all. They would remember. We would remember his posture and his words to serve one another in the same way that he served them. Do as I have done, he said. If I can wash your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. That's a lesson that we can all embrace, washing the feet of those we are in community with and we love, maybe even just like. But Jesus pushes them a step further. 
having faith that the disciples' love for him will prevail and empower them to do right and good outside of the circle, except for Judas, who is among the disciples and will betray him. Yet he washes the feet also of the one who betrays him. Here's where the disciples, and now you and I, are challenged to grow by loving as Jesus loved, by serving as Jesus served. Jesus took the fall for you and I knowing that even though he was sinless and he bore our sins on the cross, he knew we would mess up again and again despite receiving him as Lord and Savior of our life. Knowing that some might even fall away, some might not even give their lives to Jesus. But Jesus, who knew that servanthood is the only and the most powerful way to reach and to teach and to change the hearts of humanity, said to do it this way, despite what you're feeling, because God's love is not conditional, nor does it discriminate. So neither should we. Now I pause here just to interject um, in serving. There's an important exception, of course, to serving another. We serve in Christ's love, but we do not put ourselves in danger or at risk when we are victim to an abuser, a perpetrator, an accomplice, or to anything or anyone that Christ would say is evil or ungodly, unjust, or inhumane. What that might look like is physical, verbal, emotional, and spiritual abuse. It's discrimination and bad behavior based on gender and race and status, political views. These are not serving with the love of Christ, nor should they be received. Rather, they are glaring messages to seek help so you will not hurt others or be hurt any further. So what are we looking for in serving with Christ's posture and purpose? And there are four factors that I get from reading this passage that I hope will help you to discern whether what you are doing or receiving from others is being done with the love of Christ. And number one is a servant's posture and purpose. It's always humble. It's always humble. Jesus assumed the role of a slave, servant, and the disciples themselves in receiving were humbled by this. A servant's posture and purpose is healing. And the healing may not have taken place right then and there, but to look back on this act of love when Jesus would no longer be with them would help the disciples to find healing from their loss. And Jesus, too, loved these disciples. Leaving wasn't going to be easy. So this was just as healing for Jesus, too. Number three, a servant's posture and purpose is helpful. Helpful to equip the disciples. Helpful in conveying Jesus' love and devotion to them and to his call. And number four, a servant's posture and purpose is hope. Full, hopeful, full of hope for good things to come. 
By serving Jesus' way, they'd eventually see the fruit when released to grow God's kingdom and develop more servant leaders. Hope instilled in the disciples of God's truth spoken by Jesus. Now, every once in a while, I like to um, catch uh, on CBS News. I don't know if any of you watch that, but Steve Hartman has this segment of On the Road. And he travels all over, um, gathering and telling real-life stories about people that inspire and offer us hope for humanity. And I thought this was a great one um, to just illustrate um, today's point of serving. Kathy Felt. Kathy, that's her name, Kathy Felt. She didn't feel, but that's her name. Kathy Felt was a single woman, and she lived alone in her home in Sandy, Utah, where she intended to live out her life until um, she passed, until she died, right? But then she was diagnosed in 1978 with multiple sclerosis. And if you know that that um, illness, it slowly takes away your, your mobility, your ability to be able to really live and do for yourself. And so there came a point that she thought she would need to give up the home that she loved and move into a, a assisted living facility because she had become wheelchair-bound. And it became hard for her to get in and out of bed daily. And as her condition deteriorated, she had two sons, and, um, and they would come. Every day they'd drive uh, back and forth uh, in the morning to get her out of bed and at night to put her into bed, and they had the help of an aide to do that. And they were doing this for oh, years. This is like over a 10-year period. And so, um, but in that 10-year period, Cassie knew that was taking a toll on her son's lives. And this is where her neighbor, by the name of Keith, of, he had been her neighbor for 38 years, he shows up at Kathy's door with a list. And the list has the names of 60 men from his church group who committed to come in pairs every night and help lift Kathy out of her wheelchair and get her tucked into bed for the evening. Her sons and an aide would continue to come and help her in the morning, but at night it never failed. Over 10 years, right? Two men would appear at Kathy's door nightly to help her get ready for bed and get her settled for the night. And when some of the men were asked what they thought when initially approached by Keith to ask for this kind of help, this kind of serving, they admitted it felt uncomfortable because they barely knew, and some of them didn't even know Kathy, so they barely knew her. To humble themselves in this way, to bring healing to a woman whose body was shutting down on her, to be helpful so that she could remain in her home, that gave Kathy hope. And every night, you know, it wasn't, it, when you think about it when you get ready for bed, right? She's in a wheelchair. Take off her slippers, put on special socks, get her bed kind of like ready for her, lift her out of the chair, put her in bed, and, and the, the men would kind of joke. And her pillow had to be fluffed just so. The pillow under her leg had to be just right, right? So they said they did everything but give her the, the, the good night kiss. <laughs> so the amazing thing, the amazing thing about this list that started out with these 60 people, 60 men, it got so long 
longer even, that it was hard to get on the rotation as much as these men would have liked to go more often. And one helper, his name is John, admitted that he joined this list because he thought he would look bad if he didn't, because it was church, right? Thought he'd look bad. And he says, I'm, I'm, a, I'm you know, a Christian and good person. And he said, but I realized from my attitude how revealing that was of who he was. And he said, and he was choked up when he said this, I wanted to be better. And helping Kathy out changed him. It has softened him. And it has made him a profoundly better person. So John and so many other neighbors, they may not have really wanted to serve, but they knew there was a purpose and a posture of humility that they needed to assume. Because it was nothing they'd ever consider doing. And sometimes God works that way. It's nothing we ever would consider doing just comes up. And it made a difference in Kathy's life. And she was moved to tears that she built friendships with these men. She remembered each one of their birthdays until she passed away at home in 2019. Serving with the right heart impacts more than one who gives and the one who receives. Jesus knew this, and he needed his disciples to appreciate this lesson and take it beyond the circle. When Jesus attempted to wash Peter's feet, what did, what did Peter do? We're looking at Peter now. He refused Jesus, right? And sometimes that happens. And out of respect for Peter's belief, it was, you know, that his master was like, um, he shouldn't be doing such a menial task. That's part of why he spoke out. But yet Jesus in his posture and his purpose he had one final lesson, right, to teach in servanthood before he could lead them. And he had to teach them how to be in ministry among others when he wasn't going to be there. And there were substantial reminders in washing feet that Jesus could impart to them. They were all cleansed. They were cleansed, right, through baptism. And so Jesus is telling them that, you know, you're, you don't have to wash your whole body. You're cleansed and you belong to part of Christ's family. But he focused on washing the feet, and that had a little bit of a different emphasis. When Peter insists that Jesus wash his entire body to prove that he has relationship with Jesus, Jesus corrects him. You're saved. Nothing changes that. But on a daily basis, there are so many ways, wrong paths that we take that defile and dirty our feet and our walk. In the extreme, it is what happened to Judas, right? He was baptized, but succumbed to darkness and chose a different path of deceit. And yet Jesus still washed Judas' feet. And the disciples would remember this way of loving and serving. And like Judas, we have a choice to love and follow Christ. And Judas did not choose that. But remember, with Christ, his love for us, there's no choice there. It's unconditional. So he set the examples for his disciples of the cost and the compassion that would be necessary to lead others to a life in and with Christ. And most of this going on right at this moment would be impossible for the disciples to understand, right, until well after Jesus 
willingly yielded himself to the cross to die and was resurrected, there'd be much confusion and perhaps even their own feelings of betrayal left abandoned by their beloved teacher. But they would remember this time that they had together. The supper that included an important lesson around foot washing, thanks to the Gospel of John for being the only one of the Gospels for telling this story. I think the disciples looked back and remembered after Jesus was gone. When someone that I am close to passes away, I tend to think back at our last gathering, a last conversation or a vision, any kind of memory that will stay with me to remember who they were. After dinner was over with Jesus, things were going to become incomprehensible, but they would remember the words and the actions of Christ that were humble and healing and helpful and hopeful once he left them through this act. Remember I asked you in the beginning of the sermon, what is the difference between simply being kind to one another and that of serving in Christ's love. I think kindness is a compassionate act from the heart. It's opening the door for someone to go in before you. It's paying for a meal of a stranger um, at a table um, that's, you know, just next to you. It's giving food or money to a homeless person. It's taking in the big trash bin for your elderly neighbor. I think serving is kindness plus relationship. Kindness plus relationship building with Christ through you. What is your takeaway from today? This week, there are several reflection questions posed that I hope that you will take time to pray about and just allow open space for God to meet you. Perhaps rather than washing the feet of others, you are now at a season where you are maybe in need of having your own feet washed by someone else who can come alongside you. And so we pray that if that is you, that there is someone that comes to serve you in this way. For others of us, as we are encouraged to serve, with the kind of love that Jesus showed, my hope for you is to ask God to bring someone to mind that, might, that you might be able to serve with a posture and a purpose that comes with humility and healing and helpfulness and hopefulness. Jesus is calling you to his circle of deep love. He wants to bless us so that we may Bless others. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you knowing that you always receive us in humility and grace. And you are always willing to help us wash away what is not of you. To cleanse us, to be aligned with your will, your desire for goodness for our lives. Father, we know your deep desire, why you came, and what you entrusted your disciples with. 
is to grow your family of faith. Father, through your example, may we be servants of humility and healing and helpfulness and hopefulness. May we go beyond extending kindness to being aware of ways in which we can be your hands and your feet and your heart to others in need. May we find ways that not only bless others, but work in us to continue your good transformation in us. Thank you for your posture of mercy and grace, of humility. May we be reminded of the way in which you washed your disciples' feet so that we can walk in like mind and heart with you always. At your feet, Lord, we worship you. Amen.